Good day. You're listening to Free City Radio. I'm your host, Stefan Christophe, in Montreal. Thanks for tuning in. On the broadcast this week, I'm going to be sharing a conversation that I had with Mark Anderson. Mark helped found an organization called We Are Family. It is based in Washington, D.C. area. It is an inner city organization that has focused for many years on supporting seniors, low-income seniors, and throughout the context of the pandemic, provided frontline support, both in terms of food, um, but also in terms of access to medical services, transportation, and has also been linked to migrant justice movements, uh, supporting uh, recently arrived uh, asylum seekers, immigrants, and refugees in the Washington, D.C. area. We are familydc.org is their website. I got to know Mark Anderson many years ago in the context of an organization in Washington called Positive Force. That is an organization that merged community organizing with punk rock culture and did a lot of frontline service work uh, to support low-income residents in the Washington, D.C. urban area. Uh, Mark's work stretches over decades, uh, and he's been involved in a number of organizations. and uh, serves on the DC FEMA Emergency Food and Shelter Program Board. Uh, He's, as mentioned, been involved in the punk rock scene in DC. This was a conversation we recorded to try to sort of gather a picture of the role that community activists played in the front lines to mitigate and address the realities of the pandemic and support people. Uh, who were struggling and are struggling with both health crisis points, but also uh, economic inequality and precarity. This is in the context of a very diverse neighborhood in Washington, D.C., including the Shaw District, where there's a lot of recently arrived migrants, but also a historic black community. The conversation that I had with Mark looks at a lot of the intersectional issues that are being addressed and the activism around them and the frontline organizing work of We Are Family DC. Here's my conversation with Mark for Free City Radio. Mark Anderson, you've been organizing at a community-based level in DC for many years uh, through various initiatives. We Are Family DC is a project that we spoke to you about during the pandemic uh, that was taking action on the realities of inequity in terms of how the pandemic impacted low-income communities. I know that you have worked a lot with Black communities in the D.C. area, but also new immigrants and asylum seekers. This is a story that's ongoing. It's not always in the headlines, but the wealth disparity in the D.C. area is pretty significant. Could you maybe just share with us a bit about how your organization's going right now and um, what you've been working on recently? Well, essentially there was a pretty dramatic increase in the number of people we were serving during the pandemic. Um, uh, We went from, now again, the first thing, we're a relatively small neighborhood organization working in the inner city of Washington, D.C., primarily in the neighborhoods Shaw, Columbia Heights, and Petworth, roughly, uh, adjacent to Howard University. Um, We um, have recently increased our staff 
two, three, and uh, third um, <laughs> positions, paid positions. So we're uh, structurally we're a pretty small organization, but one with the help of volunteers, it has a fairly large impact. Given that, so we went from serving perhaps about seven hundred and fifty seniors. Um, at the end of 2019, right before the uh, the pandemic, serving 750 seniors a month um, to over a thousand um, uh, a year later, um, and since then things have leveled off, and we are serving about that many now. The primary services that we begin with are grocery delivery um, and. Uh, that's for a couple of reasons. Number one, Washington DC has a terrible problem with hunger among seniors. Um, a recent Feeding America study suggested that Washington DC might have the highest rate of food insecurity among seniors in the nation, which is pretty shameful and shocking, frankly. Um, considering how many resources we have here, we might be, we're certainly one of the most affluent metropolitan areas in the country. So, um, yeah, we have the resources and yet they're not being mobilized to uh, address the problem. So why food? Well, it's a big issue. Um, and the second is that food is also a great way to begin to build relationships of trust with um, our seniors, most of whom, as you mentioned, are from the African-American community. They grew up in, uh, some. many of them were born in the South, moved to DC, uh, grew to adulthood, um, and in now to you know, senior status through segregation, riots, uh, drug war, and now um, facing the ambivalent legacy of uh, or impacts of gentrification. Um, so trust is an issue that is not easily dismissed. So we build trust by providing something that folks need and then that becomes a basis for a broader relationship um, that will enable us not only to hopefully help those seniors, those low-income inner-city seniors with other issues, but also uh, draw them into helping us um, because they are the foundation of the grassroots network that we have built in our neighborhoods. Um, so uh, both because hunger is a, a real problem among seniors and food is a good way to open channels between people and build relationships that can transform our community. Uh, ultimately, um, uh, that's why we're focused on that. But we, we provide other services as well, transportation, uh, advocacy, uh, companionship, uh, some emergency cleaning, you know, a, a bunch of different things. And also referrals to other agencies or other services uh, to do things that we might not be able to do, but we know who can. Um, so we become sort of um, the one connecting, the one building the bridge between the resources and, and the need.
So um, just in terms of like people sort of visualizing what goes down with We Are Family DC, you get these both donations and I'm, I'm sure there's also like various supplies that you need to access, like that you're, you're sharing with people. Um, I, I, I know it's focused primarily on food, but I'm sure there's other things that you, that you um, share with community members, whether it's like basic medical supplies or, and all the sort of referrals and advice that you share. Could you sort of describe like what that looks like just on a physical level? Cause I, I volunteered briefly f- for positive force when I was passing through DC and I remember just being struck by the amount of material that you're distributing um, just on a very physical level. I think that sometimes the numbers and sort of the statistics around poverty are, are important, absolutely, but it's, it's, um, it's hard to sort of get a sense just on a very physical level of what, what that means in terms of translating the amounts of materials that you receive. And I mentioned Positive Force, which was another community initiative that you were involved in before We Are Family DC. Positive Force is a, a punk activist group that I helped to co-found back in the mid-1980s, and Positive Force was one of the uh, one of the actors that helped to co-found We Are Family, frankly, and and has been an ongoing support uh, both with volunteers and uh, directly or indirectly with with funding. Uh, ironically, the original funding that allowed We Are Family to hire their first employee, which was me, um, in 2004 came from the um, popular punk rock band Good Charlotte, who were friends of Positive Force and raised uh, a bunch of money that Positive Force then split among uh, a number of groups, including We Are Family at its very beginning. So, uh, so that connection is very real. Um, and it's part of the way that we try to bring together very diverse communities uh, to work together uh, in a common cause, uh, basically. Um, but to your question of like, how what does it actually look like? Well, um, I will give you an example uh, from this week, which is that our... Um, plan is to deliver to about 550 seniors tomorrow. We'll be bringing them uh, either a bag of food that is put together by our volunteers, as I'll explain in a moment, purchased from the Capillary Food Bank with some donations from other places, but largely purchased from this tremendously important community institution, the the Capillary Food Bank. Together with that, um, all the seniors will be getting a bag of produce that is um, purchased by us from uh, Fresh Farm, which runs a number of the local farmers markets here in the city, including those in neighborhoods that we serve. And then finally, some number of those seniors will be getting, uh, instead of the bag of non-perishables, a box of uh, uh, of non-perishables that also includes some more exotic items, if you will, um, cheese, milk, juice, 
you know, things like that. It's a very highly sought after uh, box of free food. And that comes from a federal program called Commodity Supplemental Food. Uh, and that is, uh, what would you say? Uh, it's, it's actually a program that began back in the 80s, passing along excess commodities that the federal government was supporting um, by purchasing them from farmers to help the farmers to not go out of business and then passing along to to uh, to hungry people basically and that's a mo- it's a more systemized version of that that initial program from back 40 years ago um, so how does it all look well the first the first step is that we're you know put the word out to our volunteers to make sure that we have volunteers to help make this happen because that's is essentially people power that makes um uh, what we are family does possible um we couldn't possibly do everything that we currently do or need to do with our three and a third staff paid staff um so we have very powerful roles for volunteers essential roles for volunteers and i'll explain those in a moment. Um, so first thing is we put out the call for volunteers. We order the food from the food bank. Um, and then, uh, we, um, had the food delivered to our site, an outdoor parking lot of the Salvation Army here on, let's see here on Tuesday, we got the food delivered on Wednesday morning. There was a group of students from Sidwell Friends School here in D.C. who came to assemble those that food that had arrived into grocery bags that we placed on our cargo truck. And so there were you know, a bunch of volunteers making that happen. Um, we had already gotten the previous week the commodity boxes, which we had also stored, uh, delivered by the food bank, although it's, again, it's a federal program, so it's not... Uh, it's not the food bank's stuff it's it's the federal government stuff that they pass along to the food bank who passes along to us and then we do the paperwork to demonstrate that it's you know being used as it should be um those boxes were delivered um and we have placed them on the truck now um uh on saturday morning uh, a group a special sort of cadre if you will of what we call super volunteers will be there to help us bring stuff off the truck and set up four different stations for um folks to come in uh sort of uh phased arrivals like um you know staggered so that there's not so many people there at once they come and come to one of the four stations in the parking lot, pick up the food, which would usually be a couple dozen bags or boxes and uh, uh, of the non-perishables and then uh, a similar number of the produce bags. And then they will have been given instructions and a list of their deliveries in advance that then uh, they will take to go out and do the deliveries. Uh, they will be in touch with us. These are all volunteers. They will be in touch with us while they're out there if they have questions and then return, uh, you know, any extra food or like if they borrowed a grocery cart from us, they will bring that back to the initial site. Now, where they're going, they all will 
generally have a senior leader who is there or senior leaders who will help them uh, you know, get to the people that they need to get to. And if there's someone that happens to be out, um, like a family member showed up or they had to go to an appointment or something, they'll hold the bags and make sure they get to them. So there's on the ground this grassroots network of senior leaders who is helping to make sure we're getting to the people who are most needy and to facilitate the actual deliveries. Um, and then we will take the information from all of that, um, which might be, oh, thus and such a person uh, wants to be on the list, or this person passed away, um, or this person we found out we were out there is having trouble with their landlord or needs help with this or that. And then we do follow up. Um, uh, the, you know, Coming out of that, we've gotten the information, then we have new work in front of us. Um, uh, or new connections to make. Um, and and so it's a process that kind of feeds on itself and goes and goes and goes, which is indeed the cycle of life. And we become a presence, an ongoing, supportive, encouraging um, force for uplift among and friendship among that community, which as I mentioned earlier, has faced so many challenges. Now, uh, this is hopefully transformative for the seniors, but it certainly is intended to be transformative for the volunteers too, because Washington, D.C. is a city that has a, a you know sometimes glorious, sometimes painful history, but there are many, many barriers that have developed over the history of the, the city that are still very real. Um, racial barriers, um, but also economic barriers, you know, very dramatic disparity in income, uh, tremendous inequality between the groups, um, and and cultural, because even, even um, you know, like say the uh, indigenous African-American community, the one that's kind of lived and grown up here, is quite distinct from, say, an immigrant African-American community, you know, like, say, the Ethiopians or Trans or Tigrayans who are here. Um, and, uh, and so there are cultural and language barriers often as well. And we're attempting to bring, I mean, it's a wonderful, particularly Columbia Heights, the neighborhood that is one of the, is sort of the center of our working area. It's an extraordinarily diverse neighborhood with incredible cultures existing right next to one another. Um, but, and that in one sense sounds like Dr. King's dream, you know, Martin Luther King's dream. Um, on the other hand, I notice they said existing next to one another. Often all those different worlds don't intersect. They're kind of in different silos and we might stand next to each other in the grocery store line, but never really get to know each other. And we are families designed precisely to penetrate those barriers and and draw us into relationship uh, and conversation and ultimately hopefully friendship um, across those boundaries uh, you know race class culture age is another big one there's so much age segregation and uh, and it is in that mixing of these very diverse and rich cultures and communities that I think the the greatest potential for us as individual people gets unlocked, but also 
that of our community. Um, because that's our aim. On one hand, it's a simple aim. We just want neighbors to look out for one another, uh, you know, and, and help each other where needed, be there for each other. Yet, it's, given the histories that we're talking about and the, you know, differences and sometimes disparities or even animosity that might have developed over the years between communities, it's it's revolutionary because I feel like the way these structures, these structures that are so painful and oppressive even, continue is that we allow them to keep us apart. Um, but when we come together, particularly in a common cause, we understand you know, that simple but revolutionary truth. We're sisters and brothers in one family and you know, we have to help each other. We have to be there for each other. And so that's that's you know, there's a lot of mundane stuff that's involved here. Again, most of it done by volunteers, but it's in the service of a much larger vision. And I think those relatively small mundane acts can and do often add up to something much more profound and, and even transformative. Thank you so much for your time today, Mark. That was a conversation with Mark Anderson, who's worked with inner city seniors in Washington, D.C. since the 1980s and has in recent years co-founded an organization called We Are Family. You can learn more about the work that Mark was describing at wearefamilydc.org. Thanks so much to Mark for being on the program today. This has been the 153rd edition of Free City Radio. We have a new program every week. I'm in Montreal, Gio Giage, um, and um, this program broadcasts on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal at 11 a.m. on Wednesdays, CGLO 1690 a.m. in Gio Montreal on Tuesdays at 1 p.m., CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg at 8 a.m. on Tuesdays, CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at 11.30 a.m. on Wednesdays, and on CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria, British Columbia, on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. You can find Free City Radio through Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Just look us up. And our archives are at soundcloud.com slash freecityradio. I'll go to a bit of music by legendary punk group Fugazi, uh, who's worked directly with the guest on the program today, uh, Mark Anderson, in starting the Positive Force Project in the Washington, D.C. area many years ago. And thanks so much for tuning in. I'll be with you next week. Take care.